High in the hills of Happy Valley, Oregon, welcome to Until We Meet Again, brought to you by the kind support of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, and friends like you. I'm Elizabeth Fournier. This radio broadcast is an expression of our common ground and mortality, because after all, we are all in this together. Today's reading is edited and adapted from John 15, verses 12 through 13. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Christ had been before speaking of his commandments, and he mentions that this is one principle to which all that rest may be reduced. For as the precepts of the second table of the moral law may be briefly comprehended in this one duty, love to our neighbor, so all the duties of Christianity relative to one another are reducible to this, by love to serve each other. This was the commandment which lay upon Christ's heart the most, and which he knew, if attended to, the rest could not fail of being observed. The argument by which and the manner of which he presses it is as before as I have loved you. My guest today is Amy Adelman, Director of Education and Outreach for Donate Life Northwest, a Portland, Oregon nonprofit that educates and registers people to gift their organs, their eyes, and their tissues. Amy is also a two-time kidney recipient and was first introduced to Donate Life Northwest as a volunteer after her second transplant. So Amy, not everyone can say that they've had four kidneys in their lifetime. That's true. Yes, I do have four. <laughs> only only one of them works, but there are four still. The native kidneys kind of shrink up and, and don't really work anymore. So they're inside your body? They are. Mm-hmm. So they don't usually take organs out unless they're causing harm to um, the body. Wow. So I imagine you're quite personally passionate about organ donation, and then also where you work, eye donation, tissue donation, education, increasing awareness, even living kidney donation, which isn't something people always know about. Yeah. So um, obviously the cause is very personal to me, um, but uh, I think what is really what drives our cause um, and our organization are our volunteers. Um, on a daily basis, I get to meet amazing individuals um, who are recipients or um, donor families who have, you know, made that choice to give the gift of life, which is pretty amazing. Um, I like to tell people that I truly get to see the cycle of life, which is really incredible. So an estimated 17 Americans die every day. It's actually gone up. Um, It's gone up. Why has it gone up? Um, Because uh, our waiting list uh, continues to grow. Um, We have a lot of people. There's about 115,000 people currently waiting um, for a life-saving transplant. So actually 22 people die every day um, waiting for that life-saving transplant. Wow. That's overwhelming to think about. So I guess with Donate Life Northwest... It works with the donation of the organs, eyes, tissues, and it's really for the life-saving and enhancing transplants, Mm -hmm. not medical research. Correct. We do not do anything um, with medical research. Um, There are two universities in the state of Oregon um, that do what's called whole body donation. Um, So we really leave that up to them. We really help educate um, and bring awareness to donation for transplant. 
So just for clarification here, whole body donation is the scientific research, whereas the specimens that you procure are actually added to a living body. Correct. Yes, they're for transplant. So organ and whole body donation, they're not mutually exclusive. Correct. They are not. Yeah, something really important for people to think. Okay, so if somebody's going to get a driver's license and you can put some restrictions on there and there is a D where the license is, does that guarantee donation? Not necessarily. So um, when you go to the Oregon DMV to register, you can um, get under restrictions, as you said, um, anatomical donation. Um, And that actually can now be listed with a D or a heart. Um, We also have a a new addition. There's a a little heart that can be added to your license, too. Um, And so what that is saying, um, when you go to the DMV, it's a blanket statement. So you're saying that you want your organs, eyes, and tissue um, to be donated for transplant. And um, if you register through us, and that's either online um, or with a paper form, or um, you can also register on your medical ID app, there's actually, um, you can make specifications. So if there are things that you do not wish to donate, you can specify that with us. But with the DMV, you, you are consenting to all three of those things. So the easiest way for someone to donate, mm-hmm. especially with you also online, yeah. And there's a paper mm-hmm. form. Yeah, so donatelifenw.org, or you can request a paper form. When you say organs, I'm presuming, does that mean kidneys, bone marrow, portion of the lung, liver, small intestine? Is there something I'm missing in there? So bone marrow is actually not an organ, um, and we do not uh, be the match as the organization for that because that is a living um, donation that happens. They have their own registry. Be the match is a great organization, um, and we have worked with them, but they have their own registry. Um, so the organs that can be donated are your heart, you have two lungs, two kidneys, your intestine, and your pancreas. So there are eight different organs that can be donated. I know people often think the heart, that's the biggest thing. I Mm -hmm. want to give my heart away when I die. Who can (laughs) give their heart to somebody? Um, So for organ donation, you have to die in a very specific manner. Um, And if you don't die in that manner, organ donation is not possible. But there, as you as you talked about, there's lots of other things um, that you can donate, and that would be tissue and uh, corneas. So there's lots of different types of tissue. There's skin and tendons, um, bone, um, and those can save and enhance lives. Especially skin can save uh, burn victims, which is a pretty incredible thing um, to donate. Yeah, and there's obviously a lot of those. So you have given us so many things here, so many anatomical and biological gifts that you can give. Somebody passes away, there's all these wonderful things, also living kidneys as well. Mm-hmm. Give me an idea here. <laughs> what? Oh, li- oh li- right, liver too, right, those things mm-hmm. regenerate. Mm-hmm. So if you can give a condensed overview of the process, let's say my son is in the hospital and mm-hmm. he has died, how do you come in? 
Um, so we don't actually come in. We work with great organizations. So um, Pacific Northwest Transplant Bank is the organ procurement organization. So again, they have to die in a manner um, that is suitable for donation. So what that means is there are three things that have to happen. One, you have to die of brain death. There's a big difference between brain death and coma. A lot of people get those two confused. Um, with, a, with brain death, you, there literally is no brain function. There's no circulation. There's no oxygen getting to the blood, and your brain is dead. So legally, you are dead. Um, with a coma, there still is that activity. There's still circulation and things going on. Um, that person um, in that moment would not be eligible if they were in a coma. But if they died of brain, de brain death and they are in the hospital and they are hooked up to ventilated support or a ventilator, um, then that person would be eligible for organ donation. And what that ventilator does is it keeps that circulation, the oxygen, the blood flowing through those organs and keeps them vital. That person is still dead, but that machine is providing um, that circulation and blood so that those organs can be recovered and save somebody else's life. Wow. that That's, okay, not only is that fantastic that life works like this and mm -hmm. death works like this, but this, it's, it's so much information. That's amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I teach a lot of workshops in Portland area, being a career undertaker, also being a green burial person. And they ask a lot of questions about donation. It's really interesting that I'll open up the floor to questions and somebody will say, well, how do I donate my body to science? Or what do mm -hmm. I do with my eyes? So it's really this, ultimately this mysterious part of life that hardly anyone knows anything about. There's tons of burning questions that the public has. So I've jotted some of these down. And if I can Great. just ask you these questions, because yeah. I think this is the stuff that listeners want to hear. This is also the average questions that I get asked that people just don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how many Oregonians has donated Life Northwest registered just on a average basis? Yeah, so currently in the Oregon Donor Registry, there are 2.5, well, actually a little over 2.5 million registered donors. So that's a lot of people. Um, we are in the top five in the country as far as registration rates go, so we're doing really well here in Oregon. And I have to say we are, we are very lucky to live in this state. We have a lot of uh, very generous people. Is this because people want to just pay it forward? Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. I think we also have kind of this culture in Oregon of recycling, right? Mm. What's what's the ultimate uh, recycling, right? Recycling your body to save somebody else's life. I think that's a pretty um, awesome thing to be able to do. Yeah, it's a gorgeous thing. And it's an amazing yeah. gift that you can give because it's something that you can actually do, which saves lives. And don't they say something like if you donate skin, I mean, or, or different tendons, different parts, you can mm -hmm. actually help 50 people? Is that a good so estimate? It's actually gone up. Oh, um, my goodness. So it's closer to 75 to 100 different people that you can help through tissue and cornea donation. 75 to 100 people. And that's amazing because people say, yeah. well, I just have two corneas. So how do I help 75 people? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So um, each cornea is used for a different person. Um, and then, you know, you have all the different types of, of tissue that we talked about. So the skin and the tendons, 
um, bones. Bones can be cut and shaped um, and used for different parts of the body. Um, we have a, a young volunteer that we, we have a video of, um, and he had cancer when he was a young boy, and they were able to remove of that portion of that cancer inside of his leg and his bone and replace it with a piece of donor bone. Mm-hmm. And now he can walk, and he actually he plays golf. He's a teenager now. Um, and uh, it's, you know, being a regular kid. And that wouldn't have been possible if we didn't have that, that donor bone to be able to give to him and, and, you know, help him be a regular kid. Just be a regular kid just because somebody bothered to sign up. Yeah, definitely. Can you accept donations of people who've already been deceased then? Um, so no, um, you know, that's really a question for the tissue bank and the eye bank, um, but there is a certain amount of time um, that they do have to recover um, the tissue and eye by. Um, so normally after they've um, passed for an extended period of time, again, most of the time um, we can't recover that. Um, so it just it depends on how long that person has been deceased for, um, the manner in which they died, um, whether they're a registered donor or not. There's kind of lots of things that come into play. So we have to kind of take that mm-hmm. a case-by-case basis. I get this question a lot from people with tissue donation. Can you take people who have tattoos and piercings? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. Nice. And then how about pacemakers, prosthetics, physical alterations, things like that? Yeah, I mean, they would um, they would kind of work around that. It really kind of depends, obviously, where they are in the body and what it is. Um, but obviously, they would be able to procure or recover other areas of the body. So can the family receive a report of how the body was specifically used? Yeah, and they do, actually. Um, so the, the family gets a report of... Um, very basic, non-identifiable information about where the organs or tissue went, a general age range of the individual that received that, um, and just some very basic information. Um, And then we have this really um, cool process, the letter writing process. Um, So the donor families can write to the recipients, and the recipients can write to the donor families thanking them for this amazing gift. Um, and then um, eventually if they've communicated um, for a period of time, um, they can actually meet, which is a rare thing to happen, but it's a, a pretty amazing thing to witness. I love that because that's, that's a gift of life. If they're going to meet, do they have to come to a location where maybe one of your counselors are there or can they just show up at Denny's? How does it work? Yeah, so we like to be involved in the process. Usually um, it's a social worker who is involved. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an aftercare specialist that works with our, uh, which with the organ procurement organization. So we like to facilitate at least the first meeting um, and just to make sure that it's in a safe environment um, and that the both parties are comfortable. That doesn't always happen. There are things like social media um, and people get really excited and, you know, maybe do a little bit too more too much research but um as much as possible we like to control the situation um and be involved when necessary there's a question that comes up and i think this is more for your whole body going to science but people have said mm-hmm. to me oh my goodness what happens if i'm donated to science and will people know it's me will they know it's my body and in this case like you're saying it's not disclosed if that's actually your corneas or your Correct. organs yeah um so there's there's 
we have a very particular process. We are able to track, you know, where the, the tissue, the eye, the organs are going, um, but we don't share that with either the recipient or the um, the, the donor, um, that identifying information um, that's not shared. And does the family pay at all for their loved one to be a donor? Not The donation process is um, completely covered. Um, and so we, we like to make sure that, um, you know, the, the family uh, felt appreciated during the process. And, you know, it's a very difficult time. So we try to support the family as much as they can, as much as we can, um, both before the process. And then they're provided with an aftercare, aftercare specialist after the process as well. Is there an urgent need for these donations to come in? Definitely, yeah, especially for organs. As I told you, um, there's about 115,000 people currently waiting nationwide, um, and so there is a great need. Um, One of the most needed organs is kidney. About 80% of everyone on the waiting list is waiting for a kidney transplant. That's also why living donation is so important. Why are kidneys in such big demand? Um, there's a lot of reasons. Um, we are seeing a much more uh, or higher incidence of um, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure. Um, those are both things that can actually cause kidney failure. Um, and so we are seeing higher incidences of that. Um, and we also, I mean, the, the demand is much higher than the supply, right? Um, and so we don't have enough deceased organs to, to go around and also because of the the organs, you know, with organ donation, you have to die in such a specific manner. Um, and so there are less organs, less than 1% of the population actually ever becomes an organ donor. And there's no way somebody can bid for a kidney or the rich family over the poor can procure and buy an organ. Correct. That is illegal. Um, and so in the United States, if there's any exchange of um, money during the process of donation, um, that is uh, illegal in our country. What's the average age of a donor? Um, so it really kind of depends. Usually it's on the uh, the younger side of things um, for deceased donation. Um, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. I, I could follow up with you um, on some of that information. Um, but it's usually the the on the younger side between 18 and 25, but I wouldn't necessarily quote me on that. I can get you more specific information. And there's a great um, website um, the organization who does the allocations and regulation of organs is called United Network of Organ Sharing, um, and they have some great data on all of that information. That's fascinating to me that you say it's on the younger sphere, because I would think, oh, these are people born between uh, 46 and 64, the baby boomers who want to give back, and they want to recycle their parts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so for organ donation, again, um, they have to be a little bit healthier, and usually, unfortunately, um, they die in a, a circumstance that is very traumatic, um, and so that usually happens um, in a um, in an accident um, or a circumstance that wasn't uh, we weren't you know the family wasn't expecting. So it does tend to be younger individuals. If somebody has signed up for your program and the time comes and they are maybe in the hospital and about to take their last breath, and I know this is you know a little bit dramatic, but if somebody decides they no longer want to donate anything and they want to rip up their contract or they don't want to be a part of this, is that workable? 
Yeah, so at any time, um, whether uh, even when you're living, um, you can remove yourself um, from the waiting list, or not, sorry, not from the waiting list, from the registration. Um, and you can do that through us or through the DMV, depending on how you've registered. Um, but in the state of Oregon, we work really closely um, with the families during this process. Um, we actually have individuals that are called donor family advocates that specifically work with the family during this process. Um, and so we talk with the family. We make sure that they understand the decision um, that their loved one have made, and if they do not want it to move forward, um, we work with them to make that happen as well. Um, we really try to give the donor family a positive experience um, and work with them to make it happen. Obviously, we would always want donation to move forward, but that doesn't always happen. Um, and so we want to make sure that the family, um, you know, gets what they need out of the process. I'm talking to Amy Adelman from Donate Life Northwest, who obviously knows her stuff because I'm just peppering you with questions. And you're doing a fantastic <laughs> job answering these. Good. Well, <laughs> a little bit of a long time. Nice. You're doing wonderfully. So, do most religions approve of donation? Yeah, so we actually have uh, statements uh, nationally from all different kinds of religions. So all, or I should say most religions in the United States do accept um, organ eye and tissue donation, which is great. Um, we even have, uh, you'll see it on social media occasionally, um, the m most recent pope um, has given a, a a quote on why donation is so important, um, and I think that was very, very nice of him and, and good to hear, especially because this particular pope has been so popular. <laughs> nice. Uh, he also backs Green Burial, so someone like myself, that's always exciting because he's, he's a mm -hmm. fan, so that's neat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do you go through your intake forms and you look at drug alcohol use? Is that a part of the questioning? Yeah, so they look at all kinds of things. So, again, we're not actually part of the procurement process. That would be Pacific Northwest Transplant Bank, Community Tissue Services, and Lions Vision Gift. Um, and so they go through a very lengthy questionnaire um, that's really hard. We ask, you know, social questions. We ask medical questions, you know, family history. We look at uh, a very large picture and try to kind of get a history of this individual. And then there's all kinds of medical testing and blood work that goes through to make sure that um, these individuals would be okay um, to be um, donors. There are certain things um, that we rule out, and that's changing on a uh, on a very rapid basis. Um, and so um, one of the things um, that is happening in this country uh, that um, has been, you know, somewhat positive for donation is, is the opioid um, epidemic. Um, there are individuals who overdose who can become um, organ donors. It depends, again, on a case-by-case -case basis, um, but we have seen an increase of some of those individuals um, being donors, and we make sure that there isn't any kind of um, disease um, that would harm um, the recipient of that organ before it's transplanted. Um, and there are certain criteria that recipients can look at um, that sometimes are considered, um, you know, 
less um, ideal of an organ, um, but um, in, in many cases, those organs do really well once transplanted, and we make sure that there's no harm to that recipient. Does somebody get ruled out of making a donation if they have the Kretzfeld-Jacob disease? Um, I don't actually know the answer to that. Um, I would have to talk to our medical professionals. Again, I, I, don't, I don't make those decisions. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those diseases that's really interesting. It's the mad cow disease, and that was the fancy name that I gave. But I know mm-hmm. in the funeral industry, that's that one. Like how yeah. AIDS was back in the 80s, this is now the one that we get worried about the most of contamination mm-hmm. and even solid surfaces after the fact can have something on there. So just yeah. curious if that was something sort of across the board, like that was a big red flag so yeah again I would have to I would have to consult our our um, our partner agencies on that sure sure and so donate life northwest you work with registering people getting people in line there's Mm -hmm. also volunteer opportunities for the community to get involved correct yeah so we uh, we love our volunteers at Donate Life Northwest. They're a big part of what we do. We have close to 500 volunteers across the state and um, in Washington State as well. Um, they're out in the community. They're telling their stories. They're educating the public. Um, they play just such an immense part of um, of our organization, and we really um, value them and appreciate them. Is registry anything that people can do where they go door to door with the clipboard or does it not work like that? Um, We tend to not do that, um, but we do go to community fairs, health fairs, parades, um, you know, events that are happening throughout our community um, in a public space. And um, we get a lot of questions and we get a lot of people registering and it's a great way for us to to, you know, be more visible in our community. So many people are touched by donation and transplant, um, and it's it's really quite fun and inspiring to, you know, be sitting at the, the, the community table at Sunday Parkways and somebody comes up to you and, and thanks them because their mother got a transplant or their son or their daughter, um, and it's, it's great for our volunteers to hear that as well. And then maybe, you know, they share their personal story. Um, So it's a great way for us to connect with the community. You have something on your website called Stories for Hope, which I think is so amazingly fabulous. Yeah, Stories of Hope. Yeah, share Mm -hmm. that with us. Yeah, so every Wednesday um, we release a new story of hope. Um, It's identifying those individuals in our community who have been touched by donation and transplant. Um, We have those, you know, people who recently been transplanted, um, donor families that want to share the story of their loved one. We have living donors who have given an incredible gift, you know, while they're still alive. Um, all of those individuals and, and many more, even, you know, people waiting for a transplant, sharing their story. And I think it really does give people hope. It shows that there is a light at the end of that tunnel and that people can make a difference just by registering to be an organ eye and tissue donor. Do you have a favorite story for help? One that oh you've heard? no, I don't think I can. I can pick one. They're all my favorite. Um, What's one that's touched you uh, recently? Recently, um, there is a young woman um, who is currently waiting. Her name is Marilyn. Um, and uh, she was introduced to our organization quite a few years ago. 
um, and has been waiting for some time for a kidney transplant. And I think she's just an amazing young woman. Um, she uh, edu- She's always educating people about donation and transplant, especially living donation, because she needs one herself. Um, she educates people in her dialysis center. She's part of a an event that we put on um, for the Latino community um, where we educate um, Spanish-speaking people in our community about their options for transplant. She's been very involved in that event. Um, and she always has a smile on her face, and she has gone through a really hard time in her life, and she's been struggling with this for a long time. But she always seems to have the energy to help other people. And so I really hope that um, one day she gets the help from that very amazing donor. Me too. You've been listening to KKPZ, 1330 AM, The Truth. Thank you to my guest, Amy Adelman from Donate Life Northwest. And until we meet again next week, be excellent to each other.